It is time for midday here at KRVN. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for making us uh, a part of your day. It is the second day of December, and we have a loaded midday coming up here in just a couple of minutes. We'll hear from Jason Jordan and Bob Brogan. But as we always do, let's start with Susan Littlefield to give us a preview of what is to come. Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's coming up on the Midday from the Farm Team. At 1219, I'll be talking to folks from the AARP as we talk about fraud and the increase we're seeing in rural America. They share with us some red flag warnings to keep us all safe. Then at 1245, Alex Sepsinch talks with United Soybean Board Chairman Jim Carroll and shares updates on industrial uses for soybeans. And at 117, Clay will hear from Orion Samuelson on his famed farm broadcasting career of 60 years. That's a look at the midday from the farm team. All right, thank you very much. Sure appreciate that. Well, we turn it over to sports and Jason Jorgensen and the Husker men's basketball team. Got a nice win yesterday. Let's hear more about that. Well, both the Nebraska men and the Creighton men were winners last night in their basketball matchups. Also, Kansas picked up a big win over Kentucky. The Jayhawks were able to pull that one out. We'll take a look back at last night's action. Also, there is afternoon NFL football today. Of course, that's what 2020 has left us with. It's Pittsburgh takes on Baltimore. The NFL has had a hard time pulling off this game, dealing with COVID issues, all the way back to uh, last Thursday when this game was initially supposed to be played. The high school winter sports season gets underway tomorrow across the state of Nebraska. In Kozad, the Haymaker boys have a new head coach in Nick Bros. Of course, he had all kinds of success as a head coach at Bridgeport. He'll give us a lowdown on what he's seen from the Haymakers here in the preseason. All of that and much more is coming up next hour on sports. All right, thank you very much, Jason. I sure appreciate that. We look forward to hearing uh, more about the Husker men and Creighton men getting a win yesterday. Of course, they'll uh, play again this upcoming weekend. Uh, Husker women's basketball team, they'll be playing here in the near future as well. And as you mentioned, Husker, or pardon me, high school basketball, that will start across the state tomorrow. We'll have a couple of games here on the stations of uh, KRVM. Uh, let's turn it over to Bob Brogan and give us a, a preview of midday business and stocks. Uh, they're kind of up and down so far, huh? Right. Uh, right now, a little bit lower as uh, investors are easing off a fresh set of record highs. Tech companies are the biggest drag on the market. Salesforce.com sank after announcing a deal late yesterday to buy messaging platform Slack for $27.7 billion. And, of course, there's a lot going on with healthcare stocks right now with all the discussion of vaccines. President-elect Joe Biden says he won't immediately lift tariffs placed by President Donald Trump on many imports from China or break the president's initial trade deal. Uh, Biden says he wants to maximize his leverage in future talks with China. A uh, leader of the Trump administration's effort to produce and distribute, distribute a coronavirus vaccine expects the Food and Drug Administration to soon authorize the use of a vaccine Operation Warp Speed's chief science advisor says he hopes that by December 10th or 11th, the Pfizer vaccine is approved in the U.S. And, of course, uh, also Moderna has a vaccine out there, and uh, that one is expected to receive approval after that. Details on these stories and more coming up in the business news. Okay, sure appreciate that. All that and more coming up on Midday. Again, right now we're looking at uh, pretty good temperatures, 30s and 20s across much of our listening area. Still a little bit of snow northwest Kansas and in the eastern portion of Colorado. But for now, let's turn it over to Clay Patton. On the last Rural Radio Forum. 
We like to tell our guys, you know, know, know what it costs to put that crop on the ground. Know what it means, what it takes for you to be profitable, and then build your marketing plan around that. The goal remains the same, and that's to preserve our natural resources, make a living, and uh, educate our kids and raise the next generation. I would say you're seeing a few more smiles. The grain commodity market has certainly had a nice little jump here. You know, the livestock continues to ebb and flow. That is a challenge going forward, going back to the, you know, the packer situation and, and what they're willing to allow our local guys to have. So, Listen to the podcast on krvn.com. It's time for Regional Ag Weather Update, and it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your rinky dealer. Paul Perkins has now stepped in, and Paul, you and I were looking at the cloud coverage for our listening area, and there's a very distinct line, and it appears from really here, Lexington West and Lexington East, from cloud coverage to no cloud coverage. Exactly, yeah. Lots of central and eastern Nebraska seeing a fair amount of sunshine, along with uh, some partly to mostly cloudy skies over central and east Kansas, but... Definitely, if you're along and west of a line from about Bassett to Broken Bow, Lexington, McCook, Norton, Kansas, to about the Hill City area, points to the west of that. A lot of cloud cover, and of course, that is bringing some snow to western areas mm-hmm. of Kansas right now. Now, we're not anticipating a lot of snow, with the, in particular for northwest Kansas. No, exactly. That should be gradually dying down as the afternoon goes on, but we are watching a storm system continuing to turn some moisture towards southern areas of Kansas, and the Storm Prediction Center is watching an area over south central kansas just to the south uh, kinsley towards ashland where some bands of moderate to heavy snow are expected to produce about an inch of snow per hour uh, through the rest of the morning and then start to reform as the afternoon goes on and then that does turn over to some helpful rain into much of eastern oklahoma right now but for today mostly we're going to see those cooler temperatures it's still in the 20s in the panhandle Exactly, and uh, the cloud cover going to continue to move off towards east, and that colder air will advance more to the east and keep you those temperatures on the level side. Uh, upper 20s to low 30s underneath the cloud cover for west central and southwest Nebraska into the panhandle and also northwest Kansas. Otherwise, where there's been a lot more sunshine this morning, temperatures currently into the mid to upper 30s. We're expecting those partly to mostly cloudy skies today. Temperatures about 5 to 10 degrees below average. Thanks to an area of low pressure that's tracking across Oklahoma, we could uh, continue to see a little bit more flurry and light snow activity over northwest Kansas for this morning, but that will be gradually dying out. Winter storm conditions, though, are found today in portions of southwest and south-central Kansas where 5 to 8 inches of snow will be possible. We have had reports of upwards of 2 to 5 inches of snow into northern parts of Oklahoma with this system. High pressure builds in tonight for decreasing cloud cover and seasonal overnight lows. A better day on the way for tomorrow. Temperatures will still be slightly cooler than usual, but with some sunshine and somewhat lighter winds. A ridge of high pressure over the western U.S. will set up a blocking pattern for Friday into next week. That returns the trend of dry weather and above-normal temperatures. Our daytime highs for Friday into the weekend 
will be in the upper 40s to low 50s. Highs will warm into the 50s with some 60s for next week. And keep in mind that Central Nebraska average daytime highs this time of year are in the low 40s, so it's going to be a nice treat for next week. In the long-term forecast, any signs of winter look to stay away through at least the middle of the month. Above normal temperatures are likely, especially for early on, from Monday through December 15th in Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S., the outlook begins drier than normal for precipitation for Nebraska the, and Kansas the early half of next week. Those precipitation chances increase for Nebraska and Kansas with above normal precipitation by the late half of next week through the 15th. One of the factors driving the markets include better rain chances in the primary crop areas of Brazil and a winter storm in the wheat areas of the U.S. Southern Plains. Accumulating snow likely in southern Kansas, northern Oklahoma, and the northern panhandle of Texas. Some areas could see upwards of six inches of snowfall. Thunderstorms will develop in the western Gulf Coast and spread to the east. In the southern plains, that area of low pressure continuing to bring some moderate showers through tomorrow, including moderate to heavy snow in parts of Kansas and Oklahoma. And once again, southern Kansas into northern Oklahoma. If you're to the north of I-70, nothing too much to worry about. Most areas will see beneficial moisture for winter wheat. Wheat may become dormant due to a lack of moisture and temperatures falling below freezing across western areas of the southern plains. The eastern areas have much better conditions and are likely to see rain. Across southern Brazil, scattered showers have fallen the last several days with little rainfall elsewhere. This has relieved some stress on developing corn and soybeans from Rio Grande do Sul to Piranha but caused stress farther to the north. Showers this week will remain confined mostly to southern Brazil, with showers returning to central and northern areas of Brazil this weekend and then continuing through next week. The crop stress is concerning but likely to be brief as rainfall could be significant as it moves back into Mato Grosso and their nearby areas. We're watching some of the snow uh, in eastern Colorado, northwest uh, Kansas, and then some in the, the southern portion of Kansas. Do we anticipate any of it moving into Nebraska? No, um, maybe a clipping southwestern portions of Nebraska, but otherwise it should stay well to the south and gradually die out as that system does pull away. Okay, very good. Uh, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Wait, well, you can check our weather page, krvn.com. Uh, thank you very much. The worries of fraud are heightening as we wrap up 2020. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Amy Novziger is a director of fraud victim support through AARP. During the NAFB virtual convention, she and I sat down to talk about fraud issues in rural America. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So everybody, regardless of your age or demographic, can be a victim of a fraud or scam. We certainly do see the older population um, having more susceptibilities. One is that they hold the majority of wealth in the United States. And so, of course, the scammers are going to go where the money is. Also, technology um, that we have today might be newer to them. But what ARP Fraud Watch Network does is it really educates the community about what you can do for yourself and your family to make sure that you keep your protections up. We really help try to get the red flags out. And some of the biggest red flags are, like you experienced it yesterday, the government does not call you unsolicited and tell you that there's a problem with your account. Um, So we're seeing a lot of Medicare imposter scams where they're calling and saying that there's a problem with your Medicare or your doctor um, 
recommended you for a box break and they just need your Medicare number. Social Security imposter scams, that your Social Security was used in a crime. I don't know why the crime is always committed in Texas for some reason. Um, but they need payments. Um, and then obviously the IRS imposter scam. And she gives us those red flag warnings to be aware of. The government will never call you unsolicited. If anybody asks you for a prepaid gift card, those are the things you see hanging on the brightly colored carousels at the pharmacy, the drugstore, the grocery store. If anyone asks you to go buy one of those and load it with money and give them the number, that's a scam. No legitimate company will ever ask for payment that way. Also, one of the things we're seeing, um, and it's definitely increased during the pandemic, is we're seeing a lot of scammers ask for payments um, via those um, P2P apps. And so the P2P stands for peer-to-peer. Common names are Cash App, Venmo, and Zelle. Those methods of payment are virtually untraceable, but they're for your family and friends, hence the name peer-to-peer, not stranger-to-stranger. So we're seeing a lot of those scams, especially with um, puppy and pet scams, and also um, like car sales, truck sales. Um, people are asking for those forms of payment. If you get one request for that, walk away. It's a scam. It just seems that these these folks are are so good at what they do. They are so convincing. What are some other things that we can look at to put that red flag up to say, okay? This isn't right. Well, one of the best ways to um, defend yourself is that if you do not know who is calling you on the phone, do not pick it up. Let it go to voicemail. I hear from a lot of people who say, well, what if it's my doctor or what if it's an emergency? If it goes to voicemail and it's one of those situations, they will leave you a message. And maybe there's someone in your family who doesn't have a voicemail. Perfect holiday present idea. Get them a voicemail because you can avoid those attempts. Scammers don't leave voicemails, right? And even if they do leave a voicemail, it's much easier to delete it because they're not getting you under that ether. Good advice for everybody from Amy Noziger with AARP. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Time for us to check in on sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks. Well, after a slow start, Teddy Allen got it going, scoring 16 of his 23 points in the second half as the Huskers improved to 3-1 on the year with a 76-69 win over South Dakota. Allen and Kobe Webster combined for 13 points in a decisive 19-6 second half run, turning a 48-43 lead into an 18-point cushion with about six minutes remaining. Head coach Fred Hoiberg says this is the type of player the Huskers were hoping they would get when they signed Allen. You know, he's one of those very unique players. He can score inside. He can drive it. He gets a guy in his hip. He's so strong in, in keeping him there, and he's a very crafty finisher in the paint. And when he gets it going, that opens up the three-point shot where he knocked down a couple of those as well. But, you know, again, we just rode him and put the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, unfortunately, got picked up the three fouls in the first half and wasn't out there much, but he, he certainly um, you know got us going at the right time when we needed it most. And, and you is slated to be back in action on Sunday when they host Florida A&M. Jalen Wilson scored 21 of his career-high 23 points in the second half and posted his first double-double, 
Helped 7th-ranked Kansas slip past 20th-ranked Kentucky, 65-62 on 9th-ranked Creighton last night. They had no trouble beating Omaha, 94-67. The Denver Broncos are getting their quarterbacks back today. Drew Locke was activated off a reserve COVID-19 list, along with backup Brett Rippon and practice squad veteran Blake Bortles. Well, Kozad begins the high school basketball season tomorrow night at Chase County under new head coach Nick Bros, and he feels they have some pieces to build upon going into this year. Jacob Engel has really stepped up. I thought he's had a great preseason um, playing on the interior for us. Um, kind of the guy that demands the ball on the inside but also can step out and score it. Um, and then as a force on the defensive end inside, you got Jacob Weatherly, a, a dynamic guard who can score from three and drive it. And, you know, he's very athletic. And then you got Nolan Watovic, um, kind of a player who's just steady and uh, kind of a floor general. And This is Bros' first year at Kozad after a successful run as coach at Bridgeport. Tomorrow's boys game starts at 7 with the girls game around 5.30. And due to COVID, Pittsburgh and Baltimore will play NFL football this afternoon. Kickoff of that one is set for around 2.30 Central Time. That is a look at sports. For more, you can find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. We're the 880-pound radio gorilla of the Midwest. 880 KRVN. CHI Health conducted a Zoom meeting on Tuesday to discuss the latest on when a COVID vaccine will be available and how the health system plans to administer the vaccine to its frontline workers across the state. CEO Dr. Cliff Robertson was asked what he would say to someone who is hesitant about getting the vaccine. Well, you know, I I think we um, need to understand that the FDA uh, is made up of career professionals that are scientists that really aren't going to make a decision that isn't in the best interest of the general public. And so in spite of the politics that seem to have gotten in the in the middle of the discussion, I'm very comfortable and I know firsthand that the professionals that make up the FDA are going to do the right thing. And they, you know, they wouldn't release a uh, vaccine that wasn't felt to be safe, you know, uh, for the general public. And it was also discussed that Nebraska is currently looking at getting 15,000 vaccines the week of December 14th. And CHI Health plans to begin vaccinating their staff that first week. CHI Health Pharmacy Division Vice President Mike Teasey says their best guess on the general public getting the vaccine is March or April of 2021. A civil liberties group is dropping its lawsuit accusing the Nebraska prison system of fostering inhumane conditions, but it says it will continue to fight against overcrowding and perpetual understaffing of the state's lockups. The American Civil Liberties Union of Nebraska and attorneys for the state this week filed a joint motion to dismiss the federal lawsuit. The move comes after a judge in June denied the ACLU's request to certify the lawsuit as a class action. The ACLU filed the lawsuit in 2017 on behalf of 11 prisoners against the Nebraska Department of Correctional Services, its director Scott Frakes, and various prison system officials. The number of deaths linked to the coronavirus jumped 62 in Nebraska on Tuesday as the state reported nearly 2,000 more cases of COVID-19. The state reported 1,080 deaths and 1,787 new virus cases on Tuesday, 
to give Nebraska a total of 130,194 cases of the virus since the pandemic began. The number of people hospitalized with the virus declined again Tuesday to 869 from the previous day's 907. That total is now more than 100 people lower than the record of 987 that was set on November 20th. But it remains nearly four times higher than the level it was at two months ago. Two Rivers Public Health Department reported 75 new cases for Tuesday, December 1st. Buffalo County 47, Dawson County 10, Franklin County 2, Harlan County 3, and Phelps County 10. You can find more news at krvn.com. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network, and today we are getting an update from the United Soybean Board on everything from industrial uses of soybeans to hyoleic soybean production. And we're joined by Jim Carroll out of Arkansas. He is the chairman this year of the United Soybean Board. Uh, Jim, tell us about some of the exciting things that you guys are working on first uh, in terms of industrial soybean uses. Well, uh, all of this started... uh with biodiesel on how to use our oils more efficiently and effectively. And this is all dwelling around a high oleic oil. And we found out a few years back, Ford took us on as a partner to make foam. And it always tastes like cooking oil. I mean, smell like cooking oil. And this lady took this on in a year. She had solved that and started making foam for their seats and putting plastics in the car that they need. And it opened a door for all this stuff with Goodyear. They're building tires and things. And now with Indiana and some of the other people looking at it, we're looking at putting this oil in the asphalt and concrete sealant. To me, it's things that I never realized could be done. But, you know, I've come to find out that a lot of things can be done if you just put the right people on it. And I'm so proud of that. And you had talked about uh, some ag tech. Well, all that fits hand in hand. The the technology that we got falls not only on the farm, but for this research that we're doing to get these products. And uh, I assume that you and I live long enough to see a lot of this done and continue this asphalt how could you better have a, a scenario with a tire that's made with soybean oil driving on an asphalt that's made with soybean oil? It, it's hand in hand. And I'm tickled pink over it. I think it, it opens up our soy industry for something we've never had because we've always dwelled and focused on animal feeds. Okay, so let's dive into those hyaluronic soybeans for a moment. Um, for producers who might be thinking about growing them or wanting to get more information. Can you give us an update on some of those resources? Yeah, the, the soybeans are just like what you would raise at home for as a weed technology and everything, but the oil in them is different. And I understand this year that you can get between 30 and 50 cent premium on them. And so if we can do that, it would get there. Well, what I had hoped when all this started is when this oil is great for cooking, it doesn't a burn is quick. It's got a higher heat thing. But I think that when the dust settles and we get all the proof and the projects we need, that you're going to find out it's heart healthy. And when that happens, I think it's going to swing the door for a lot of things. And with this COVID right now, people are looking for those little niches. You know, there's 
more you young ladies and men going back to cooking things like rice and stuff we probably wouldn't normally have. But I just think that it's a time for everything, and it's our time with Howell Lake's coming, and I think it's going to be done in the next two or three years. Yeah, and that goes right into what we were going to talk about next is, you know, from what you're saying, it sounds like the outlook for soybeans and the soybean industry in general is really pretty good. Yes, and, and you know, farmers have a little different idea about things that happen. You know, I've got this little quote I can't tell you on the radio, but the uh, farmers always adapted and in, in they're resilient about what they do. And just like this year, we've had to slow down some because of the things we couldn't get. But we got back, and, you know, it's always something happened major. If you can make the day with a piece of duct tape or a piece of wire, stick it on there and make the day, and we'll finish it tomorrow when the farmhouse is open back. And I just think it's uh, part of our lives. It's, it, it's probably changed direct, dramatically for 2020 with the COVID, but it's not something we hadn't lived with year by year because Mother Nature throws things at us, uh, hailstorms, rain, uh, insects. We know how to handle those. It just takes a little time, and I think that this country start to see that, even though I hate it had to be a, a situation like this, and I know we all do, but I'll be so glad when it's over you don't even know where you and I could sit in a room person to person and have this talk. But our board has never quit. The board guys are farmers, and they know if we stop, that we stop a process that was started behind us five years, and we keep pushing our projects and pushing our ideas, and and we're going to get it done. You can just write it down there. We're going to get it done. All right, Jim, as we round out this conversation, what else is important to mention that we missed? Well, the, the thing that, uh, you know, this year has been hard on me personally. Uh, it wasn't a year like I had in my mind when it started, but I have learned so much to how to get on this with you and, and be able to reach out to wherever you are, and I appreciate those things. I'm not a young man anymore that uh, probably need all this but i can see where it's going to fit and probably in your lifetime it's going to change again and that's the way it should be if you don't go forward you're not winning the ball game and that's what it amounts to i'm proud to be here and, and working with the guys i do and i'm proud i'm chairman this year even though it's been the year it has and uh, we do what it takes All right. Great information as always. Thanks so much, Jim. That again is Jim Carroll of Arkansas. He is chairman of the United Soybean Board. As we were talking about everything in the soybean world from industrial uses to high oleic soybean production. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Twelve fifty three. Time for midday business with Bob Brogan. With business report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are lower in trading on Wall Street as investors eased off a fresh set of record highs. Technology companies are the biggest drag on the market. Salesforce.com sank after announcing a deal late yesterday to buy messaging platform Slack for twenty seven point seven billion dollars. There's some pretty good activity taking place in the healthcare stocks area after Pfizer and BioNTech say they've won permission for emergency use of their COVID-19 vaccine in Britain. Treasury yields rose and gave banks a boost because they allow them to charge more lucrative interest rates on loans. 
President-elect Joe Biden says he won't immediately lift tariffs placed by President Donald Trump on many imports from China or break the president's initial trade deal. Biden says he wants to maximize his leverage in future talks with China. Under President Trump, the U.S. and China engaged in a year-long trade war that's been largely frozen since a phase one deal was reached in January. A leader of the Trump administration's effort to produce and distribute a coronavirus vaccine says he expects the Food and Drug Administration to soon authorize the use of a vaccine. Operation Warp Speed's chief science advisor hopes that by December 10th or 11th, a Pfizer vaccine is approved in the U.S. Nebraska U.S. Senator Deb Fisher says the U.S. Senate unanimously passed bipartisan legislation she helped introduce called the Stop Student Debt Relief Scams Act. The bill would enhance efforts to identify and shut down student debt relief scams. It now awaits approval from the U.S. House of Representatives before heading to the president's desk. An owner of a New York City bar that was providing indoor service in defiance of coronavirus restrictions was arrested after a sting in which plainclothes officers went inside and ordered food and beverages, according to the city sheriff's office. Protesters shouted as deputies arrested Danny Presty, co-owner of Max Public House on Staten Island. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Most others for many people. At times it seems hard to try and find the good in the year, but 2020 has had its moments. One of those moments was celebrating the famed career of farm broadcaster Orion Samuelson, who announced his retirement in 2020. Samuelson worked to help tell the story of agriculture for 60 years with WGN Radio in Chicago. Farm journalist Rachel Spencer writes for the Fence Post in Greeley, Colorado, and interviewed Orion about his retirement and other topics. Thanks to Rachel for sharing her audio interview, I get to bring you Orion's own words as he remarks on a career that spanned six decades. Well, my first visit to China, and since I have made nine visits since, that's gotten to be a fairly familiar country, and my wife Gloria was... Uh, uh, a salesperson for the Peninsula Hotel in Hong Kong. So uh, we had that uh, knowledge together. But uh, some of the other ones, I broke the bulletin on WGN radio of the uh, John Kennedy assassination. I uh, went to Cuba and shook hands and interviewed Fidel Castro. I also met and shook hands with Mikhail Gorbachev during his term in the uh, old Soviet Union that is no more, had the opportunity to meet and interview nine presidents going back to Eisenhower and before that because one of my favorites, farm broadcasters made Harry Truman an honorary member after he had been in the White House and moved back to Independence, Missouri. And so he invited me out to his house. I met Beth, their best and uh, did an interview with Harry Truman, and uh, that was an unforgettable experience because I would say that uh, he was my favorite Democratic president and Ronald Reagan was my favorite, although I had several favorites in the Republican side, but I'd, I'd have to pick Ronald Reagan because he was such a good communicator and he started out in our business as a broadcaster. So. When Samuelson started his broadcast career, reel-to-reel tapes and almost suitcase-signed recorders were the latest and greatest technology. Samuelson also saw a lot of other changes happen to the farm broadcasting industry over those years. 
Uh, yeah, in agriculture and in the way we cover it, certainly. Changed a great deal because uh, we've got a lot of younger people today who are doing farm broadcasting and writing, and they kind of bring a different look to uh, a lot of what they cover. But uh, I'm glad to have had the experience to uh, at least share my views on some of the very tough topics we've had to cover in the last 60 years. At the time this interview was recorded, another farm broadcaster that started with Samuelson, Evan Slack, had just passed away. Slack was known for his love of airplanes and flying to his ag stories. Samuelson shares one of his favorite memories about Slack flying to cover stories on cattle ranches. I had an airplane, but I did not have a license. I had a pilot fly it for me. And, of course, he flew it, and the big difference, I never landed in a cow pasture, but he did very often. He would circle a ranch he was going to, and he'd see a clear spot on the field below, and he'd just go ahead and land it. Thank you again to Rachel Spencer for sharing her interview with Orion Samuelson on his retirement from a successful career in farm broadcasting. Thank you for listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. And John, the back and forth continues now. We've established some big highs, but now Grain's trying to come back around, at least for the corn and the wheat market here today. Soybeans, though, still the laggard. How important is it that soybeans start to move with the corn and wheat for us to continue this rally we've set up once again? I don't think it's that important for corn. You know, corn seems to be a pretty steady market here. You know, the global offers are, are going to be where they are. There isn't a whole lot of alternatives. You know, even when Brazil comes out, there's, there's you know, tremendous in, in demand for uh, in use in the country. So uh, I look for, for U.S. corn prices to stay pretty firm here regardless. Uh, China's involved in the bean market today. It was announced. So in my opinion, this is weather. You being driven around, you know, pushing around. 5%, 6% isn't going to be much. You know, you got to be ready for that if you're going to trade soybeans. Uh, you know, so we're 25 cents down from where we were two nights ago, but uh, still up from where we were three weeks ago, drastically so. So at this point in time, I don't think anything's really going to change um, unless we have some confirmation that, that yields are there. But even then, I, I still don't know if you, you, you want to discount the new crop acreage because we're going to need it in this country. We're not going to get any more to, to satisfy our carryover. So the one worry you have is China. Um, you know, I encourage folks to kind of pay attention to the Australian uh, Australian China spat that's going on right now. It kind of makes you nervous to be in the bean market, just given that you know China can can hold sway over what they want to have happen by just simply not buying things, and that's what they've done in Australia. And you've seen their market tank a little bit. So, short run here, I, I, I think this is just correcting correcting territory. Uh, currency's moving around a little bit, and uh, I think that we'll be steadily higher here at some point. Seasonals tend to to perform for corn here between now and the end of the year. The next thing we'll be watching is about the 10th of December, the next WASDE report. So do we see more of a choppy sideways trade until we get more data, or is there potential for legs here? Uh, I don't know. I don't think we'll break out until that point. But I don't think you're going to see this huge discount that's going to come in the market because of the report that's going to be there. Uh, that that time period is pretty important. We have the USDA report that Friday, and then that's the we, I think the, the Congress is home that Monday. If they don't have a stimulus, the U.S. dollar, you know, we could see some some 
kind of rocking and rolling in the outside markets when it comes to the U.S. Uh, you know, equity exposure and things like that. But bottom line is there's so much money being put in the system. Both sides in Europe and here in the U.S. are looking at stimulus packages north of 10% of GDP. So uh, all in all, I, I don't think you're going to see commodities get broken too much. And to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. You can always learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. And that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear the in- midday program in its entirety, you can always go to podcast at krvn.com.